Hello and welcome to the Mindful in Minutes podcast, a guided meditations podcast brought to you by Yoga For You. I'm Kelly and today I'll be leading you through your meditation. So go ahead and get comfortable, settle in, and enjoy your meditation practice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this special freeform episode of the Mindful Minutes podcast. So if you're looking for a meditation, you're not going to get one in this episode, but you'll get one on Sunday. If you're looking to learn a little bit and tune into one of my chats, that's what you'll get today. So happy May. I hope that things are warming up wherever you are and that the weather is getting to be pleasant. I feel like today, um, where I'm living, it was like one of the first like really nice days and it just kind of helped to pick up my spirits and sort of pick up my mood. So I know March and April were like two of the longest months that ever existed in the whole history of the planet Earth. Um, but I'm hoping and manifesting that May is going to be when things start to make a turn for the better. And hopefully this nice weather that was there today um, and spring and summer around the corner is going to help with that. So something that I've been trying to do lately that just I've personally been doing and I thought maybe if you're listening and you're having a hard time, because I'll be honest, I've I've really been having a hard time um, recently just with everything that's going on and, you know, being grounded and stuck inside and, um, you know, having a, a partner that is on the front lines of everything that's going on and just being worried and stressed and, you know, things impacting. But I mean, you know, I don't have to tell you, you know, what's going on and all the things that are happening. And it's been, it's been really hard and it would be a lie to say that I hadn't been impacted and um, that I hadn't been having a hard time with it. But something that I've been doing that's been helping, it's such a simple practice. I've talked about it before and I've returned to it is just every day, usually first thing in the morning, trying to think of one to three things that I'm grateful for each day. To be honest, some days I can only come up with one, even if that's just I'm grateful I'm alive or, you know, I'm grateful that no one in my family is sick. And um, sometimes I can come up with three, sometimes more. And it just really helps to remind me about the positive in life and that there are things no matter what to be grateful for. And it's such a simple practice, but it's really been helping me. So just a thought, if you're struggling too, and I've heard from a lot of you that you are, and I get it, trust me, I really get it even just that little thing has been helping. So maybe give that a try if you've been struggling. So the only announcement that I have for you before we dive into one of my absolute favorite topics in the whole world is a reminder about the virtual Nurture Your Soul retreat. So some of you have already joined, which if you've already joined, yay, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see you soon and hang out with you. But if you haven't, why not? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be really awesome. So next Sunday, if you're listening to this episode live, or if you're not, it's on Sunday, May 24th, 2020, from 1 to 4 p.m. Central, I'll be leading an at-home retreat. So I've really been missing all of you. I've been missing traveling. I've been missing connecting with you. And I really, I really miss retreats a lot. That's one of the things that I've really been missing because it's just... I had to cancel a lot of them and the rest have been put on hold indefinitely and it just really hurts my heart and that was part of the reason why I just felt so down was having a hard time and I just decided that you know what 
even if we're all stuck at home, it doesn't mean we can't have the experience of a retreat. So with this, you can experience a yoga free retreat without leaving your house. And over the afternoon, I'll lead you through a super gentle yoga class. So all levels definitely welcome a rock a cow ceremony or you can do this if you don't have rock a cow although i'll send you the recipe beforehand if you want to get some you can use any kind of a warm beverage and we'll just be using it to open our heart and set intention for the afternoon and then i'll lead you through a little bit of a workshop on how to speak to your soul and kind of connect with it during this time then of course we'll be doing a guided meditation a special meditation practice and then we'll close with a special ritual that i planned for you and that's it just a few hours out of your day if you can't make the live event um, you'll have an opportunity to let me know if you need a replay and it's a completely pay what you can event so this is just my hope and my way of helping all of you and making it accessible so there is a suggested donation of $45 but there's no pressure to pay that amount Um, as people are starting to sign up I'm seeing things you know all over the board from a few dollars to you know quite large donations which I really really appreciate and all those donations any donation gives you a spot in the retreat and like I said all are welcome there's no pressure to give you know any amount just if you didn't even know where to start I just put suggested at 45 and all those donations go directly to kind of keeping me and my family afloat during this tough time since I had to um, clear my calendar and you know it's it's a whole thing. It is a whole thing. Again, I don't have to tell you. Um, so if you can give and you want to be a part of this really special experience, I'm uh, planning something really cool because especially when I miss you guys and I miss retreats, I feel like I really want to double down on this one and, and make it special for you and for everyone for this community so hopefully i will see you there you still have time to sign up you can go to either click the link in the show notes or go to the website yogafreeonline.com and under retreats there's the at home retreats tab there's the information and also the button there that you can then do a donation and and get your spot in the retreat so i would really love to have you there and i think it's going to be really special and that's it so now I get to talk about, other than retreats, um, one of the other absolute deepest loves in my life, of course, other than retreats, and Mila, (laughs) because let's be real, those are two of my most favorite things in the whole world, and that is yoga nidra. So you heard me say this with the chakras episode, you will hear some people pronounce it yoga nidra, I pronounce it yoga nidra. Again, tomato, tomato, Um, you don't need to send me an email to tell me that it's pronounced the other way or anything like that. Uh, I've heard both pronunciations. I've heard really skilled teachers and really experienced teachers and trainers pronounce it both ways. I really just think it's just the way that you pronounce it. And I choose yoga nidra. That's how I was taught. And that's how I teach it. So many of you have probably done a yoga nidra practice with me before, either because there are a couple on this feed and, um, Maybe some of you I know have done a yoga nidra teacher training with me. Um, So now you know that I love it so much. I literally teach teachers, teach people how to teach it because I just have such a strong passion for this practice. And also every once in a while, um, I'll do a live yoga nidra event that you can do at home. And those are always really fun and, and special. So even if you've practiced it before, you may not know exactly what it is or how it works or why it's such a powerful practice. And that's what I really wanted to share with you. I will be sharing a yoga nidra practice on Sunday for Sunday's episode. So it'll be one for sleep, for insomnia. 
And um, But I wanted to just share the magic of this practice because it's one that I think maybe people have experienced, but they have no idea what's really happening during the practice and like what the purpose of it is. And I think it's really, really, really incredible. So let's just dive into it. Yoga Nidra means yogic sleep or conscious sleep. I always joke it means yogic sleep, not yoga nap. And what I mean by that is um, you may fall asleep during the practice, especially if you're really rest deprived, but we're not trying to, you know, kill two birds with one stone and somehow get a full yoga practice while we catch up on sleep at the same time. So yoga nidra, this yogic sleep, it's a way to get your body, mind, and emotional body to be at its deepest state of relaxation by moving through the different brainwave patterns and the different stages of sleep while also moving through our koshas, um, which I'll dive into all of those in a moment. Um, And we're just trying to reach a relaxed state where you can set intention, connect with something deeper, and give your body and mind time to rest and restore. So I like to describe it as that state of sleep or that state of being where you're so relaxed that you can't move. It's like you're laying in bed and it's right on that edge between falling asleep and being awake. So you can't move and you don't have a lot of thoughts during this time. You're completely relaxed, but you're not quite at that point of unconscious sleep. So it's kind of that state like where I'm right on the edge. I can't really move. If my husband walks in and I'm at this state, I'll still be able to hear him and process like, oh, you know, he's coming in and heading to bed or whatever. If the dog comes in, I'll be able to hear it and like process it, but it doesn't mean a whole lot to me and I'm certainly like my eyes are still closed I'm just really really relaxed I'm right on that edge at any moment I could tip from being at that deepest state of relaxation into unconscious sleep so when we're practicing yoga nidra or when I'm leading you through yoga nidra what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to consciously take you right to that place that deepest state of relaxation but while keeping the mind awake where you can still take in the practice And the reason that I do this is because when you are at your most relaxed state, our whole purpose of yoga nidra is not only give the body and mind, you know, the gift of deep rest and kind of resetting, but we're trying to plant the seed of intention in the true self or the soul or Atman. Um, In yoga nidra, we call it Atman. But we're trying to move through these different layers of your beings, the koshas. And we're basically trying to peel back, you know, layer by layer. And in the center, there is this thing called Atman or the true self. And it's just this idea that the more relaxed you are, and I'm sure we've all experienced this, right? Even if we just practice any kind of yoga and we're in shavasana and you're in that really really relaxed state and that's where the magic happens so the person leading you through yoga nidra is consciously trying to take you to that absolute most relaxed state right where you're on the edge of wake and unconscious sleep right there that's where you can kind of do some of that deep work and yoga nidra can be used as a tool for great rest in your body uh, withdrawal of the senses or pratyahara which i'll also be talking about in this episode and as a way to deeply root an idea or intention in your subconscious mind and the most authentic self so something that really sets yoga nidra apart is the use of intention or you'll hear it be called sankalpa Sankalpa just means intention. And it's the thing that at the beginning and at the end of the practice, I have you repeat three times. So you may hear me say something like, um, now say to yourself three times, I am completely at peace and my body is at rest. 
and then you'll repeat that to yourself three times. That will always be in the yoga nidra practice, and that's the intention that you're trying to set into your subconscious mind and also your most authentic self. It's basically this idea that if you can plant something like that in the deepest layer of you, it's almost like a plant, right? Um, or, you know, growing growing a plant. So if I take the seed, I can't just throw it on the top of the soil and give it a little water and think it's going to grow. I have to really kind of take it in deep in the soil where the good and kind of fertile, rich, nutrient earth is, plant it there, cover it back up, you know, give it the attention, the love that it needs, and then trust that it's going to grow and manifest from the inside out. When we work with Yoga Nidra, when we work with any kind of manifestation or planning of intention, it's the same idea. You can't just plant a seed of intention surface level and think that somehow it's going to magically, you know, take root and be able to drive those roots down deep and grow a strong, fruitful, healthy plant. You have to really dig deep and plant it in that that deepest part of you. And that's why we have these different stages or different layers of yoga nidra where we're basically taking you one step deeper and deeper and deeper with each step so we can get to that most fertile soil, the true self, where we can plant that seed of intention, whatever it is. The intention can be anything positive. I've done yoga nidra practices for, you know, any topic you can think of. Certainly, you know, we'll do one for sleep on Sunday for I think there's one on the feed for self-love and gratitude. We did one around holiday stress in December. You can plant the seed of intention for anything. As long as it's positive, you're good to go. And it's kind of up to the teacher to do a good job and be a masterful leader and create a strong intention for you to be able to then cultivate into your life and really um, transform and manifest. So yoga nidra is broken up into six stages, and that's something where you probably didn't notice it if you just practiced it, but when I tell you these six stages, you might think, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So you start with a preliminary relaxation and a rotation of awareness in your body. So often you'll hear me say, you know, we'll go, th- we'll literally just rotate through different parts of the body. So I'll say, you know, become aware of the space between your eyebrows, the right eye, the left eye, the nose, the ears, and I'll just physically have you rotate your awareness through different parts of your body. This speaks to basically each one of these stages will sync up with one of the koshas, one of the layers of our being, and also one of the stages of sleep. So this is how I'm going to physically put your body to just, you know, start to relax and just get to kind of that light stage of sleep. Because ultimately, and something that is really interesting, if you ever I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I do wake up in the middle of the night, maybe I'm worried about something or, you know, whatever, something startles me and and I have to kind of quiet my mind a little bit before I can go back to sleep. I find myself just like taking Google deep dives into different things, (laughs) into interesting things. Um, And one of it, and this could be a whole podcast on its own, is like the science behind yoga nidra and how they can measure these things. So they have this this thing that sounds more impressive than it is. It's called an electroencephalograph. And it's one of those like big helmets with all the little things and the wires coming out from it. Anyways, it's called an electroencephalograph. It measures brain waves. And what they can do is when someone is going through the practice of yoga nidra, using this tool, they can measure the different brainwave patterns. And what they know is that if the person, and usually this is someone that is, you know, a little bit more proficient in the practice of yoga nidra, you may not get there on your first try. Um, But Swami Rama is someone that is kind of known for his, for his yoga nidra and um, 
there's some fun pictures out there of people being hooked up to their electroencephalograph while they're going through a yoga nidra practice. So, you know, sometime if you are just bored or whatever, you want to Google it, you can. But basically what they're doing is they can see that in these different stages of yoga nidra that I'm about to walk you through, it takes your mind and your body through a different stage of sleep. It basically puts your body more and more and more asleep until we're in like deep, deep, deep sleep. But somehow people are able to remember in their mind. So even though it looks like they're asleep and the electroencephalograph says that you're asleep, people can still recall what happened in the session. So somehow they know yoga nidra is able to, you know, by science, put you to sleep, but still keep the mind awake. And that's where we believe the magic really happens. So each one of these stages matches up with one of the koshas or one of the layers of your being and also one of the stages of sleep. So the first stage is where you rotate your awareness through your body. So we're talking to the first kosha, the physical body, and we're going to just that light sleep. Then we're going to connect with the breath. And the breath is going to take you then a little bit further into that sleep. Um, It's also going to connect with the vital body. And I'll dive into the koshas in just a little bit. So don't worry, they're fascinating. So if you're like, what I want to hear more about that vital body, just hold your horses, it's coming. Then you're going to go into a rotation of feelings and emotions. This is where you hear me say, you know, feel yourself become hot, feel yourself become cold, experience anxiety, experience peace. And sometimes I would say that this is the layer that the most people will get tripped up on because this is kind of your like logic mind or your logic layer. This is the part of you that um, when you're trying to meditate, it says, oh, shoot, I can't forget to send that email back to that person. Or you're listening to a guided meditation and it says, why is she telling me to picture a forest? Like, I'm not in a forest. I'm in my living room or whatever. It will appear in Yoga Nidra. It'll sound a little something like this where it will say, hmm, I wonder how much longer I'm going to be here. Or it'll say, why would she make me feel anxiety? Anxiety is not good. I don't like feeling anxiety. That is your logic brain getting in your way, and this is absolutely the layer that the most people will get tripped up on. Not to say that you'll never move past it, but if this is you, and that's okay. Each time we do yoga nidra, you're taking a journey, and you're trying to get all the way to the true self, but, you know, just like riding a bike, you probably didn't, you know, pop up and do it perfectly the first time, and I think that us as humans, just from my experience, it's this third, the road, um, the opposing feelings and sensations and the logic brain that trips people up. And usually it's because that logic brain says, why is Kelly trying to make me feel, quote, bad things? You will hear me say, um, experience anxiety and experience peace. Or, you know, experience pain, experience pleasure. You will hear me and other yoga nidra teachers do this same thing. So each one of there's a few reasons that we do it. Each kosha has its own language, so the physical body speaks in the physical body, rotation through awareness. The second body, the vital body, speaks in breath. And then the third speaks in feelings and emotions. And kind of snapping between these two opposings or these opposite ends of the spectrum with both physical feelings and emotions is the way that you're going to move past this logic brain and be able to go deeper into some more... um, like wisdom, some deeper parts of you. And also it's a way, and I always tell people, there is no good or bad. You are just each feeling, 
each emotion. Some might be pleasant and unpleasant, but I think it's really tricky to really label them as good or bad because somehow that means that you know, some emotions you should try to just avoid altogether, that they're bad, that you should run away from them. And I think that if we get stuck in this cycle of only ever trying to experience the quote good or the pleasant, and we run away from the unpleasant and the quote bad, we're really setting ourselves up for some trouble because life is not always the good and the pleasant. And if you think about it, each experience, each feeling is just a feeling. Me feeling pleasure versus me feeling pain both are equal in terms of, you know, they're just both sensations. And once I can kind of detach myself from some of these things, I think about a lot with like my anxiety or when I'm feeling really down and depressed, is that I can say, okay, you know, I'm feeling anxiety right now. And I can kind of separate myself from the actual feeling or, you know, I'm experiencing an increase in my heart rate because of my anxiety. And if I can kind of separate myself from it, I can do something about it. Instead of getting trapped in this, oh no, I feel anxious. This is bad. What's happening? And kind of get stuck in this, in this cycle. So a lot of people get tripped up or ask, you know, why would you ever make me feel something that's bad? And I'll say, well, it's not actually bad. It might not be as pleasant. And I will really challenge and push back. And those of you that have worked with me individually or have asked me this question, you know that I'll say, exactly what I'm saying on this podcast. And that also, hopefully, if we are able to move past that logical side of us that says, oh, ding dong, wait a minute. Why, you know, why do I need to feel anxiety? If that's popping up, we haven't moved past that kosha, which is our our goal. If we are moving past it, we'll just experience the feelings and sensations as I call them out. And then you'll really be able to, you know, tap into a deeper part of you. So after we do those opposing feelings and sensations, we're going to go into um, what's called like an awareness of intellect, and we're going to do some kind of imagery. So that is the wisdom body. And wisdom, so we have kind of the mental body, the wisdom body, and the bliss body are the last three koshas before you get to the true self, and they're all different. I'll tell you why. But that wisdom body speaks in the language of image. So you'll either hear me do some kind of a guided imagery, very similar to what you might hear me do on one of the meditations on this podcast, or you might hear me do a list of random images, which sometimes I do, and it's it's just a list of completely random images. I'll say, you know, see a screen come down in front of your eyes, and you'll just see images popping up, and each is replaced by the next and the next. I'll say, you know, see a pair of pink sneakers, see a sun setting, you know, a beach, a white church. It's literally just a big list of random images. Both work the same. Um, It just kind of depends on what mood I'm in and what I would like to share. A lot of times people just personally prefer the guided meditation, especially like listeners to this podcast, because obviously if you listen to Mindful in Minutes, you're fans of guided imagery. So I will do that a lot as well. And then You're going to be left just in silence just for a little bit, and hopefully it's there in this silence that we're really unlocking, moving past the last layer, unlocking and opening, and then coming face-to-face with the true self. That is our ultimate goal, to go and look at your true self, your soul, Atman, right in the eye, get to know it better, and then again, you'll hear me say, you know, say to yourself three times, I am at peace, and I am completely relaxed. 
I think that's what I said at the beginning of the episode, but I already forgot. (laughs) But then you'll have me, you'll hear me tell you to repeat that intention one more time. And it's because not only do we, you know, set it at the beginning to set the tone and kind of, um, you know, plant it externally, but then we're going to go through these different practices and hopefully unlock the true self and also plant that intention, really root it deep within us. And that's kind of where that, that magic happens. I also really appreciate and something that I love about Yoga Nidra is the fact that you do get to come face to face with the true self. And like I said, you know, just as if you're riding a bike, it might not happen, right? You're not going to unlock. I mean, maybe you will. It's unlikely that you will unlock the complete meaning of life and just have this absolute, just deepest, most transformative experience you've ever had in your entire life on your first yoga nidra practice. Not unheard of. It does happen sometimes, but it's unlikely. Just like if I sat down at a piano and tried to play it for the very first time, I probably wouldn't sound like Beethoven. That's just not you know, that's just not how it works. But I am here to tell you that after a few practices, and if you really kind of just mentally let go of the control, listen to the sound of my voice or whoever your guide is, listen to their voice, then you can really experience the magic of coming face to face with your true self. There have been a few times where I, I truly felt like, and I know that I spoke to my soul or my highest self or Atman or whatever it is. And one time was probably one of the most profound experiences I've ever had in my entire life. And I felt like I had, all of a sudden, I just felt like I had this clarity and a complete shift in my perspective. And it, I don't care to share the details because it's really personal. Um, and I also think it you don't need to know the details especially when it comes to like someone's soul, right? It only has to be meaningful to you. But I remember I had this experience and it was like some really horrible, tragic things that have happened in my past that I've always kind of thought of as like, you know, why did that happen to me? Or, you know, why did that person do that thing to me? Whatever it is. And all of those, and I really, I I have had a string of them and I really had a string of them up until kind of my early to mid 20s. And I had this huge shift in perspective that completely changed the way that I saw those. And I no longer saw them in this hateful, resentful light. And there was just so, it like, it hit me like a train. The, and it completely changed my perspective. And I was able to see them, like, it just, it was almost like I just, I don't know, I just woke up and was like, oh my gosh, this whole time I thought that these things were kind of the end of me, but they actually were the start. And I can't, I mean, even articulating it now, does not do it justice. It was probably one of the most magical experiences that I've had. And it was truly because I was seeing these things through the lens of my true self and not kind of the self that, you know, I just, I just really was sort of like enlightened to that experience and what, what those things really meant in my life and what they meant for me. And it was really powerful. And, um, I've had times where I have felt like, you know, I, I hear a voice, um, You know, not to say that I'm hearing voices necessarily, but I felt like it was almost like I heard the voice of the true self give me a message that was really, really, really powerful. And these things do happen. It's part of the reason why I love Yoga Nidra and I love the magic that comes with it because I've experienced it. I've had, you know, clients that have experienced it, students that have experienced it. It's really magical and it it doesn't take that long. And it's something we do not 
take enough time. We do not prioritize in our society really getting to like hang out with your soul. And it's almost like every time you practice yoga nidra, I think of it as like truly like hanging out with my soul and I get to know my true self a little bit better. I, you've heard me say it before and I'll say it again. I think one of the secrets to a happy and harmonious and joyful life is living from your true self. And the only way to do that is to tap into that part of you and to just not have a barrier between the true self and the self that you show the world. And that is no small order. I feel like I've been working on it for like my entire life. I was also one of those like, you know, special kids that was like a spiritual soul seeker like when I was little. Um, So literally my whole life, I feel like I've kind of been been looking for this and Yoga Nidra has been one of the best tools that I've had. But I will say, if you are listening to this and you're like, okay, cool, Kelly, like I don't really care about getting to know my soul or, you know, having a complete life altering experience. Like I am just here because I heard this was called yogic sleep. There are, it is said that, and and do not get me wrong, I am not minimizing this because we are such a rest and sleep deprived society. I don't have to tell you that. I don't have to tell you, definitely the minority are people that, you know, go to bed at a reasonable time every night, are able to sleep until they just are well rested and wake up in the morning springing up like a daisy. Those people are out there. I know they're out there. Maybe, hopefully, some of us are becoming that now that we're all stuck in our homes and have lighter schedules. But we, generally speaking, are completely rest and sleep and, like, nurture deprived. And they say that yoga nidra, 45 minutes of yoga nidra, is the equivalent of rest you would get in three hours of regular sleep. And the way that that happens is basically you're moving your body into deeper sleep faster So without going into, you know, the whole anatomy of sleep, which is fascinating, another thing you can Google when you're bored, it really is fascinating, like what's happening in your body and mind when you sleep. But basically, you spend over half of your time in light sleep, and you need to. You you can't bypass. Important things happen in all the stages. But when we do yoga nidra, I'm basically leading you to deep sleep and keeping you there for a while. So you're getting like... And it's the deep sleep where the body really restores and repairs and repairs tissues and regulates your hormones and things like that. So spending a little bit of extra time with the body in that deep sleep is really beneficial. And that's why they say that it's, you know, three hours, 45 minutes of yoga nidra is equivalent to three hours of regular rest. And the yoga nidra practice itself, when you're experiencing it, if you haven't already, it will sound just like a long guided meditation. So if anyone, you know, decided to skip this episode and is not listening to me and just did the yoga nidra practice, they probably would just think, oh, Kelly did a, you know, a long episode this week for whatever reason. It will sound very similar, right? I'm going to lead you through body and breath and imagery. A lot of the same things that I use and that are utilized in guided meditation But yoga nidra typically lasts between 30 and 60 minutes. So you just lay down. You get super comfortable. It's not recommended to do yoga nidra when you're sitting up because it's hard to completely release the physical body if you're using like the erector muscles in the spine and the core to keep yourself upright. So you really do kind of get set up like this little yoga slumber party and you put, you know, I like a pillow under my knees, a pillow under my head, a couple blankets over my body. I like all the goods. Like when it comes to yoga nidra, I like to be super extra and I encourage my students to be as extra as possible and get as comfortable as possible. And it really does make a difference. So it's really just easy and simple. When you practice it, you just get super comfy and close your eyes and you 
listen to the sound of my voice. And I will really the instructors doing the work and just hopefully doing a good job of, you know, doing the right exercises and are masterful at leading yoga nidra and leading you to a deeper part of yourself. And, and through kind of working through these different layers of your being, kind of doing some healing and some restoration and resetting at each layer. So let's talk about these layers, right? The koshas. You've probably heard me talk about the koshas before. Again, if you haven't figured it out, I am A, a big nerd, and B, like wildly obsessed with <laughs> all things basically yoga, meditation, anatomy, philosophy. I just, I like to learn. So you can tell I just get all hot and bothered when I talk about this stuff. So kosha, there's five koshas, and kosha just means layer or sheath. So what I'm about to tell you, what I want you to imagine in your mind, you certainly could Google it as long as you're not driving or anything. Um, I want you to imagine a bullseye. So we're going to start, or you could imagine, you know, like those little like Russian um, nesting dolls where you have the one original doll on the inside, you know, and then you have a kind of a, a copy of that original and then another one that's a little bit bigger that fits inside of it, another one bigger and another one bigger, right? I I had one like when I was a kid and I always thought it was really fascinating because you, know, you open up the biggest one and you just keep opening them up and originally you'll go, you know, ultimately you'll go through these different layers and you'll come to the original. That's basically what the koshas are. There's these different layers that we're trying to move through. So you can think about it as nesting dolls or think about it like a bullseye. So we're gonna start from the outside and work our way in. Everyone has the five koshas. And our bodies go from like the physical and the largest. So the first kosha is literally your physical body. So if I were to meet you at a coffee shop and we were to shake hands, we would be connecting our first koshas by shaking hands. And then it's going to go all the way to the smallest and least subtle, which is the bliss body. And then beyond the bliss body is the true self, right? That's the center. That's the original nesting doll. That's the center of the bullseye. A lot of times people are on board with the first and second layer. So we have the first one, the, it's called the Anamaya Kosha or the physical body. And then we have the second, which is the Pranamaya Kosha or the um, energetic body. So this is the body that kind of can be sensed by your energy. Um, it's the one that it's like that. It's like your vitality, like that spark, that life energy that keeps you alive and breathing, blood circulating. It's not the actual blood circulating, but it's that, that little spark, that vitality. Um, and that is, you know, when you are doing like an acupuncture practice or energy work, things like that, that all works on the second layer, the energetic body. So usually people are pretty on board with like, yep, First kosha, I can see it. It's there. Yep, I love my, you know, acupuncturist and I love my monthly Reiki or whatever it is. You know, I'm, I'm down with the energetic body um, because those we can kind of experience. Then when we go deeper, we go to the third layer, the monomaya kosha. It's the mental body. This is the one I also call it the logic body. It might trip you up a little bit. It's the body that's made up of thought and process. So this is the layer that makes meaning out of the environment you inhabit. So it's where your thoughts, perceptions, beliefs, and mental patterns are kept. Um, it's associated with, you know, you access this by doing like a meditation practice or kind of some mental um, self-reflective type work. And this is why I think it's so hard for people to let go of their beliefs because they're really rooted down deep in this layer. 
And this is then that logical side that will say, oh, wait a minute, like, why is she, you know, taking me to this place? I want to go to this place. Or why would she make me feel this or that? Or the part of your body that will say, oh, shoot, you can't forget to do this thing, right? So it can trip you up a lot. But this is the mental body. So made up of thoughts, perceptions, beliefs, mental patterns, habits, that sort of thing. So if you're, if you've ever been, um, you know, maybe you're driving to, this used to happen to me a lot um, in my former life when I worked um, in management, it would be my day off. But a lot of times, like when I'd head into the city, I'd drive past work and all the time I'd take the work exit because I was just like on autopilot, not really paying attention. And I'd just take that work exit and I'd be like, oh, shoot, but I'm not going to work, right? It's kind of that autopilot mental part of you, like your habits. That's in that, that mental body. And then you go a layer deeper. And you're going to go to the wisdom body or the Vijnamaya Kosha. And this layer is made up of your intuition, your awareness, your higher intellect, and your insight. I think it makes sense that the wisdom body and that Vijnamaya Kosha is a layer deeper than the mental body because intuition and higher intellect, you know, insight, that is always closer to the true self than maybe our just general beliefs or, you know, our mental patterns, our perceptions, right? Perceptions can be wrong. Our beliefs can be wrong. Um, Our mental patterns can be flawed. But when you get to deeper and you go to like that wisdom body and we're talking about like your higher intellect and intuition and insight, that stuff's not wrong. And it's because it's so close to your true self that if you can get to that layer, right, it's you, you can't like judge here this is where you know your not just your beliefs but like your your ethics your drive to be like a good person just that part of you that wants to really kind of connect to the highest and true self that is where that's what's in this wisdom body then past that the fifth layer on Maya Kosha it is the bliss body And I don't know how to really describe it. It's different for everyone. But when you access it, you know, it really does just feel like the most incredible. It's like, like, I really don't know how to articulate it. You just have to experience it. If you're like, oh, I wonder if I've ever felt it before. Um, If you're not sure, you probably haven't. Because when you do reach that bliss body, you reach that. It's This is the part that's like the connection between like, you and your true self like you and the divine it's it's just like the the deepest layer of you and it's really where just like bliss is and it just feels really good and it's like it's almost like just being bathed in like unconditional love that's 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 the only way that I know how to describe it for me um but everyone that experiences it it feels a little bit different that's your last kosha and then once you open that one up you are face to face with the true self that true radiant beautiful soul of yours you are face to face with it and you just get to spend some time with the soul and the true self uh in yoni nidra we call it atman and it's the highest and most true self the soul the spark of life the part of you that is true you know the part of you that is divine i don't care what you call it you can call it whatever you want you can call it bob it does not matter to me but it is that deepest part true part of you like the soul the part of you that is 100% good 
And this is the most fertile soil of manifestation and reaching Atman is the ultimate goal of Yoga Nidra. Yes, you're going to get a bunch of other wonderful benefits and a lot of other, you know, smaller goals, but the ultimate goal is to come face to face with the true self, with Atman, to get to know it, to connect with it, and to plant the seed of intention in the most fertile soil that exists, which is the true self. And that that is really the purpose of yoga nidra so as we go through these different stages we're kind of moving through these different layers of our being until ultimately you're delivered right face to face with the true self and i think that's really you know really kind of of magical and then that's where you know you can set that seed of intention and again it can be anything it can be one of general well-being it can be positivity it can be extremely specific i do work you know when I share in a few days the yoga nidra practice for insomnia, our intention will be general and it'll be one to cultivate, you know, basically good sleeping patterns. But I've also worked with people that have wanted maybe like custom yoga nidra practices, things like that. And they've wanted something incredibly specific. Like we are talking so specific that, you know, maybe they say, um, you know, I forgive my sister and then we say sister's name and I choose to move past the hurt and step into joy like so specific that it has someone's name in it or it has you know a really particular goal I I worked with someone that was working you know past their their social anxiety and wanted to be able to walk down the aisle at their wedding so we did one that had the intention of you know I can walk down the aisle or I walk down the aisle on my wedding day with ease I hold my head high and I'm excited to be there and it can be incredibly specific like that. It can also be general. So yoga nidra can, either one works and you can do that. Um, something that I also love about yoga nidra, and people always say, well, who can practice it? Anyone. Truly, if you can hear, you can practice it. I've had people practice in, you know, that are wheelchair bound. I've had, any, truly anyone can practice this. We all need rest. It's not to say that people that, um, you know, don't have the sense of hearing, don't need yoga nidra. It's just the only thing is that it, because it's a verbally shared practice that it can be hard, but truly anyone can benefit from yoga nidra. It's incredibly accessible because you don't have to do anything physical with your body. You just have to listen, just clear the mind and let the magic happen. And I am all about things that are accessible and magical. <laughs> I, I love that. It's part of the reason why I love meditation. Are you alive? Do you have a mind? Yes? Great. Then you can meditate. You know, I can't always do if I don't have, you know, if my shoulders hurt, I can't always do my vigorous vinyasa practice. But as long as I'm alive and I still have a mind, I can meditate or I can practice yoga nidra. And I really, I really think there's something to be said for a practice that, you know, is not only rooted in ancient practice, but is really accessible to people. Um, The last thing that I think is really great and that I enjoy about yoga nidra is that it helps to cultivate um and helps you practice pratyahara which is one of the the limbs of yoga which i think maybe will be a topic that i talk about one of these days um patanjali's you know eight limbs of yoga they're really interesting but one of them is called pratyahara or withdrawal of the senses and it's basically being able to turn inward and to take this journey towards the true self so patanjali talks about it it's also what we do when we start to meditate we you know turn inward and and start our practice and the external world starts to fall away this is like that but like times 10 so just not only letting the external world falling away but then going so deep that you go all the way down to your core so in yoga we call that pratyahara 
And I just think it's nice to give yourself and to give my students rest. I mean, we're so rest and sleep deprived. And I think about like often there's nothing I love more than just having like one of my like overworked, sweet, giving, caring mamas and just give them the gift of like just relax and just listen to the sound of my voice for 45 minutes and just give yourself a little rest. And that's it. Just a little rest, really, like a little R&R, a little TLC, you know? And I, I feel like it's just this little gift that I can give my people. And, and we all need it, not just our sleep-deprived mamas. We all need it, especially now. And and for me, Yoga Nidra is just so transformative, not just because of the rest, but because every time I practice, I do feel like I get to know myself a little bit better. Um, you know, like I said, hanging out with my soul and that I'm able to plant a positive seed of intention there. And for me, especially in times like these, when it's it's hard to see the positive, um, it's, it's important that I continue to plant positive seeds and intention and let them, you know, grow out and manifest into my everyday life and take the time to rest and slow down and do this special thing so that's really it that's that's yoga nidra in a nutshell that is so just like you know surface level this thing is is really magical it's why um you know it's why if you study with me we spend you know 22 to 25 hours diving into this practice and how you teach it and um it's just to me it's just super magical so I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I'm going to post a yoga nidra for sleep practice on Sunday so if you're curious or you love it or you've never done it before there'll be one just in two days in your feed and it's designed to help you with insomnia and start sleeping better because I have heard from a lot of you that our sleep is suffering right now and I get it Um, Also, if you're inspired by what I was sharing today and you want to learn how to teach Yoga Nidra, I've decided that I am going to offer one virtual Yoga Nidra teacher training this summer, and I've opened up the wait list for it. So if you're interested in that and you want to learn how to teach Yoga Nidra, just send me an email at info at yogaforyouonline.com, and I'll make sure that you're on that list. Otherwise, that's all I have for you, and thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have a really great day and a great weekend and that you are staying safe and that you are finding the positive and that you feel loved. So wherever you are, hang in there and hopefully you'll start sleeping a little bit better. So that's it. Thanks so much. Bye guys.